Hi, this is Gary Rogowski for Splinters. Today's podcast is a mixture of a story I wanted to tell you and some information about our online classes and our online mastery program coming up this fall. So settle in. Here we go. Story warning. It was a couple summers ago. I was uh, going to visit some friends who had rented a cabin. My friends uh, Angie and Mark had uh, rented a cabin near the Sandy Am River. And, um, you know, we were going to splash around, but uh, also to do this hike up the Opal Creek Trail, uh, old growth forest, and turns out had a mining camp there. It was a fun trail, but it was fairly long. And on the way back, Angie informed us that she was going to have to slow down a little bit because she was growing herself a blister. Not exactly the kind of growth one wants to accomplish on a hike, but... There it was. She was getting a blister. And Mark and I weren't, weren't going to carry it back down the trail just yet. And so as she limped along, I thought to myself, well, that's a damn shame. It sucks to have a blister because like a rock in your shoe, it's all you think about. With every step, it's a reminder. Your pain sensors, your mortality, how cranky you could get at someone if they were to say something stupid to you at that moment. But I decided to risk it anyway and try to help Angie past the painful time downhill, and we had a ways to go, by telling her beagle stories. Now, I had a beagle named Jimmy for 14 years, and I had been compiling these stories uh, a few years after his passing. Now, on this trip, I just told her and Mark the beagle stories of when he had disappeared. And every 10 or 15 minutes or so after finishing the story of Jimmy getting himself lost somewhere, I'd walk a few paces, and then I'd, I'd ask again, did I ever tell you about the time I lost Jim at such and such a place? There must have been six or seven of these Jimmy getting lost stories. Anyway, it got us downhill. And Angie didn't throw a shoe at me for bad judgment or bad stories. Anyway, we seem to be limping along right now. And, and it's time for a beagle story. This one is called The Century. True story. Absolutely true. If doggies are the mirror to our dreams, our memories, our failures, and they are, then Jim acted as my Arthur, my Merlin, and my Lancelot in a world that shifted underneath my feet with each day that passed. In truth, it is hard to think of myself as a youth and hold up the dreams I had back then next to the version that lives in my head now. I don't feel any different. I have no visible scars to mark the demarcation line between innocence and experience. Yet looking back on my time with Jimmy, I am struck by how many changes I lived through with him on the pathways we walked and that I talked our way along. Now, we frequented an apple tree farm, an organic apple tree farm up on Mount Hood. And there was a cabin there that the folks would let out to friends. And the farm was close enough to the mountain that in wintertime, I could load up the truck and Jim and we could be up in the snow in no time at all. That day it was sunny. I'd pack my cross-country skis, my gaiters, my shorts for a snow excursion. Now, on the east side of this mountain, there was a large river canyon carved out by years and years of mud and rock slides, snowstorms, avalanches. The trees were gone from here, and there was the start of a raging river picking up some steam. What I liked about it was that as we headed up, I could hike away from the trees, so the views up and down this canyon were long, expansive. I loved it. I breathed in the sense of space that I felt there. Jim and I parked the truck in the large lot, and I loaded my skis and pack. The beagle was already geared up and ready to go, as he always was. 
We climbed up out of the parking lot bowls, hemmed in by 15-foot-high snowplow drifts. Now, Jim wasn't born to the snow like a husky or a malamute, but he, he kept his nose low to the ground, sniffing up signs anywhere, looking for trouble. We got out onto the snow and headed up the slope that towered above us. When the mountain did show itself, it was very close and took away almost a third of the blue sky above my head. When it hid behind clouds and mist, there was still a wide open space of white snow, a river somewhere underneath the buckles and folds of the hills and rocks and snowfields. A good ski hike like this one started out slow, which suited my old body just fine so I could get my ski legs back underneath me. Jim and I would trundle up the slope for 20 or 30 minutes, and then I'd turn around and ski downhill for a bit to feel the rush of wind in my grinning teeth. I had a set of cross-country skis underneath me, and i got to tell you this, I, I had bought them years before, and my salesperson thought they were great, but she never skied on them. And the skis were great if I'd been track skiing on flat slopes with no abrupt turns, or I knew how to telemark, but I did not know how to telemark. The skis were fast, the skis were thin. I had no way to keep my heels strapped in and no edges on them, so the idea of turning to corner was just that, an idea, a logic, a really solid concept, but not a truth, not even the promise of a truth, not even the glimmer of a truth here. I couldn't turn. To turn on these skis was a hope, a dream, a prayer for me more than a reality. Think good thoughts, I prayed to myself as I hurtled downhill. I struggled, I gritted, I grimaced to lift that back edge of one of my skis and get it pointed away from the moguls and the rocks and the slope down to the river. But my best companion always turned out to be my constant heavy friend, Gravity. That's how I stopped. When I picked up too much speed, cruising downhill and the plastic fish scale ski bottoms that had increased their plaintive cry, we're going too fast, you could hear it, <laughs> the sound would pick up when I had both the physical and the oral sense of approaching disaster, when I had snowplowed my skis to no avail, angled my legs and knees till I thought they would bend and break, I tried, I did, I tried to stop my progress. But when I had no other reasonable alternative, I would bail out of my track and stop this headlong rush with a balletic flop, I'd like to think of it as a balletic flop, to one side into the hard snow. Ta-da! Stuck that landing. And excellent scores from the Russian judges, too. God, I love the outdoors. I got myself upright, eventually, as Jim waited and watched and wondered about my curious routine. I turned that battleship on skis, called me around, and moved uphill again. Above us on a ridge, the stunted high mountain trees paraded their short stature up the slope. They watched in a quiet line above the avalanche zone. It was a glorious day on the mountain, sunny, peaceful, middle of the week, and nobody here but me and the beagle. We climbed uphill slowly past the trees into the canyon where the riverbed disappeared under the hills of snow and moraine. I marched us to a snowy promontory. It had taken an hour and more to kick my way up to this spot, and I laid out my space blanket with its reflective silver coating and warmed myself as Jim and I munched on my lunch. After eating, my morning's exercise, my daily worries and anxieties about, oh, the future of my work, my designs, my everything, I was tired. I decided to take a snooze in the sun and snow, and it was warm enough. My brain was actually more tired than my limbs, so when that happened, I, I simply obeyed the signs and got me some shut-eye, put on enough clothes to stay warm, pulled my wool cap down over my eyes, and I fell right asleep. I was out like a light. It's great. 
I slept for 20 minutes or so. But when I awoke, I saw this vision, and I could not believe my eyes. Was I dreaming still? Jim wasn't snoozing at all, curled up beside me on the space blanket. The dog who considered a day without about 15 hours of sleep a complete waste of his sun cycle. The imperious dog who had bitten me more times than I could count for breaking one beagle law or another. Jim, the persnickety. Jim, the fastidious eater of all things revolting. Jim, don't eat that. Jim, the proud and defiant and self-involved beagle. He wasn't even lying down. When I opened my eyes, there he was, sitting up, staring out over the great white landscape back down the open canyon and the path of the river down the mountain to the world. Jimmy was on guard duty. He was sitting and keeping watch over me, and I grinned. Time to plow my way back downhill. It felt good. It felt real good to be protected like that. So that was my, uh, that was my story with Jim. We remain in these times too weird to simply be called strange now. We have to do our best, do some work, do some work on your attitude. And I'm offering our online lectures and workshops as a help in this, both for you and for me, because it's a long climb these days. It's a long climb these days. Coming up this week, a lecture on sharpening, two-hour sharpening Zoom lecture. Go to our website, northwestwoodworking.com, for information and registration there. And then coming up are two workshops, September 1st and 3rd, a workshop on planes, shaves, and scrapers. That's going to be fun, working on hand planes, tuning them, tuning them up, using them, using a spoke shave, showing you how to sharpen a scraper. That'll be fun. So we'll work for a, an evening for three hours. Take a day off and then come back on September 3rd for another evening of, uh, of fun. And then at the end of September, there's a workshop on hand-cut dovetails, September 22nd and 24th. So those two workshops I'm looking forward to. I hope you'll uh, join us for those. These are in anticipation of our online mastery program. This is something I thought over um, long and hard and decided that in-person classes probably would have some limitations this year. So particularly for the distance mastery program, I thought maybe we could make this transition. So I decided to move all my mastery students, except now for the resident program, but uh, the local program and the distance program were both now online programs. I rearranged things a little bit. The local program would always meet one day a week, and that's what we'll do for this online program. There will be about 140, 150 hours of contact time with me over our two-year period. And you will build nine pieces over this period of time. It's a program that's been running now 20 years, and some great work has come out of it. Some people taking it to a career, some people just using it as a springboard to their own enjoyment and satisfaction and uh, exploration of the craft. But it is a real mixture of hand tool techniques and design techniques. And that mixture is, is really what's fun about it. Fun for me and fun for the students. You know, because you build some simple pieces to start with. A sushi box project of mine 
which everyone looks at and goes, boy, that's simple, sushi box. Yeah, except you're cutting all the joints by hand, these lap joints by hand. It's an eye-opener, let's just put it that way. And our first year is largely an exploration of hand tool use. And there's some, some power tool work, and we talk about milling lumber and stuff like that. But uh, there's hand-cut dovetails in the first year and um, some fun things. We make a hand plane. And the year two, we, we get into bending and coopering and different curved methods for bending wood. And we build a chair, which is everyone's favorite project. It's so much fun to dive into that one. Anyway, it's a great program. I hope you'll check out our website for more information, northwestwoodworking.com. Drop me a note, and I will be happy to send you a prospectus on the, on the program. As I say, uh, we will meet weekly, uh, fall, winter, and spring, uh, for our um, about 10 sessions, 9 or 10 sessions. Yeah, I'm really hoping we can make this fly because it would be fun to... Uh, Bring in people from around the country, perhaps around the world, to uh, join us for this online mastery program. So check out the website, northwestwoodworking.com, and our online workshops coming up. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for listening to me. <laughs> uh, you know, hang in there. Do the best you can. That's what I'm trying to do. We're still here. Let's make the most of it. Take care. Bye-bye.